0: with me in my foul life
1: podcast world was shaking the foul life podcast back at you Chad Belding here coming at you from the great state of Wisconsin Wisconsin cheese cheese curds cheese heads the Packers Brett Favre Aaron Rodgers i'm gonna keep going the bucks are the nba champions the brewers were awesome this year losing to atlanta before atlanta wins the world series my good buddy josh Hader, hell of a closer closer of the year every year in the national league for the brew crew bob uecker the movie major league i know it was about the cleveland indians but bob uecker is synonymous with milwaukee miller park the brewers pete Vukovich. Look up Pete Vukovich and then see if you recognize him from the movie Major League. Today's episode of the Fat life Podcast is brought to you. We got a couple of them brought to you by our friends at Deemer Box from the Zach Brown Enterprises Deemer Box in a Pelican case. You can get the DB one, the DB two for all of your audio needs. I love music. I listen to all kinds of music from rap to gangster rap to hip hop to country to outlaw country to rock and roll to classic rock to southern rock. I even like a little bit of the rap Pack. Joey Bishop and Frank Sinatra and Sammy Davis Jr. and Dino Martino. I love Pavarotti and Bocelli and all the opera music. Whatever kind of music you like, bring this on your boat. Bring it to your camping site. It holds your gun, your pistol in it, your wallet, your hunting licenses, all of your valuables. You can get 50 hours out of one battery charge. You can charge your iPhone within the deemer box you can put a plug into it it will float it's a hundred percent waterproof i tow these behind my float tube while i'm fly fishing they'll sit up in the swimming pool and play music you can have them anywhere and like i said keep all of your valuables in them check them out at deemerbox.com d-e-m-e-r we truly believe in the power and the quality and the performance i was just listening to cody Jinx's new album mercy mercy is the title track Written by my good friend and Cody. Adam Hood wrote the title track, Mercy, and the album is awesome. Congratulations, Mr. Cody. Jinx, today's episode of the Fall Podcast is also brought to you a brand new partner, Flask Cap. F-L-A-S-K-A-P. One K in their Flask Cap. Innovative. Isn't it? Very. You guys don't know that voice yet. I'll introduce him in a second. But you talk about something that's cool as heck. A very customized tumbler with a lid it's a uh, an accessory that you can buy for the tumbler but you got to check them out they make all of your needs for the beach the boat sporting events camps i don't want to give too much away but just know that it makes everything so much accessible more accessible from whatever kind of cocktail or adult beverage you choose to partake in obviously we choose jack daniels here at our properties enjoy it responsibly never allow underage drinking but the flask cap and drew and the entire crew they've come up with something that's innovative and just forward thinking and it allows you to have your mixer in the lid and with the push of a button it will drop and dispense a shot straight into your mixer, whether that's LaCroix or Coke or Coke Zero, no sugar, Diet Coke. You know how much we love Coca Cola products here at all of our properties, but check out the flask cap. And take pride in what you drink and how you mix. But remember, stay responsible, everything in moderation, never allow underage drinking. We truly believe in this product and we love how they believe in what we do here. I mean, I don't want to give too much away. You just have to go online and look it up, F-L-A-S-K-A-P, Flask Cap. Look it up and see how this product works. I've been using it for the last 45 days and I absolutely love it i love the feel of the tumbler the weight of the tumbler we have our logos i'm looking at a foul life one right now provider this life ain't for everybody a jargon one my guest is drinking out of a jargon one our logos are engraved on them and then when she put these lids on them oh my gosh it is freaking cool as heck i don't want to describe too much but like i said so check them out flask Cap. and last but not least the podcast today is brought to you by meat, meat, your maker made with meat. You've heard us talk about them here before. We've dedicated entire episodes to him because I love the passion and pride that we have when it comes to butchering and processing our wild game ducks, geese, turkeys, all different subspecies of the turkey. The Rio Grande, the Eastern, the Miriams, the Osceola. Even if you get down into Florida and get the Osceola, you can bring this stuff for meat with you. If you get down to Mexico after the World Slam and you go after the oscillated down in Cancun or the Golds up in the Sonora Desert, you can find an application with your big game, your birds, your upland. It doesn't matter what it is. The grinders, the mixers, the vacuum sealers. We're going to be using them from Milwaukee area of Wisconsin this week as we go after ducks and geese canada geese mainly and mallard ducks dry and wet water hunts dry cornfield hunts but meet your maker check them out on social media facebook instagram and get Cooking, get processing, get butchering, eat what you kill, live off the land, know where your food comes from. And that's exactly what meat allows us to do. So, without further ado, I'm going to bring in our guest today. He's our host up here in Wisconsin as we arrive today. Luke Steidel is a 26 year old guru of ducks and geese. He's pretty much dedicated his entire life to mastering his skill set, honing his skill set of scouting hiding concealment calling shooting cooking we ate unbelievable canada goose burritos with our boy Joel today we're going to have Joel and his wife who's running for governor right now miss Becky we're going to have them on the podcast soon but Joel Joel is one of those guys when I met him today he's like hey i just met you i haven't known you 30 seconds and he's inviting us into his house and making us unbelievable pulled goose canada goose burritos and they were freaking unreal he used a three cheese blend we're in the land of cheese right here in wisconsin and it was freaking unbelievable those burritos were good yeah luke oh yeah they're amazing you eat a lot of wild game yes
0: sir every day
1: every day huh damn near and uh you know with joel he's talking to you know his wife was diagnosed with cancer and now all she eats is wild game yep they kill lunch and dinner they kill they she it's for her to eat it she the family has to kill it fish and meat yep that's pretty cool
0: outstanding family of outdoorsmen, no doubt
1: why why do you say that
0: oh he's got he's got a great passion for the outdoors joel's always been a family friend and a close acquaintance of mine we've grew up hunting together i actually met him in a field goose hunting in the town of O'Connor walk where i'm from uh, his wife is unbelievable. She supports him all along the way, no matter what, how busy their schedule is with everything they got going on in their life. And he, she allows him to hunt, fish, to bring the food back to the table for the kids. They love it. His daughters, she has two amazing daughters. They both love hunting, and fishing. And I mean, the passion that they share is unbelievable. And the cooking that Joel does is even more unbelievable. He cooks some killer food and his family loves it. Friends love it. I mean, there's definitely nothing not to love about it always good
1: he hunts with you a lot though right yeah
0: almost every day we're hunting together do a little bit of hunting and then go to work it's it's almost everyday routine
1: he said you guys only missed like four days yeah. of the waterfowl season last last, year.
0: last season was our probably our hardest grind we missed four days yeah out of our 90-day season really Yep. that's the pretty year. cool Yep. we've we hunted every day do a little have you season.
1: missed more than that this year
0: oh yeah yeah this year's been a little tougher the birds are on a different part of the state and they just the flyways a little different this year so it's figuring out new ground figuring out new areas to go and just a little tougher but i mean that that breaks you down you got to take some days off to scout and get the right get the right day going to make a good one
1: so your main thing you were telling me is the scouting that's your favorite part of, yes. of the hunting
0: yeah it's just the adrenaline i love driving around i've always loved driving and sightseeing so i mean i love i love the anticipation of finding the birds and then getting the permission or if you already have the permission on the grounds then you got to go through all the aspects of setup, hide calling on your buddies coming up with a game plan so it's just the prep that goes into each and every hunt that really draws my attention I love and when it when it pans out and the plan works I mean the satisfaction from the whole deal is unreal feeling that that's why I've been so passionate for my whole entire life
1: and what if it doesn't come together? do you chalk it up to hey the birds got us today and you go right back to not feeling sorry for yourself and getting back in the truck and finding the next hunt
0: yep yeah, or you gotta you gotta keep on those same birds I mean some days weather permitting birds do different things every day on a certain situation so i mean it really depends isn't so.
1: that crazy how you could get into a situation to where it might be the lighting it might be the clouds it might be the low ceiling it might be the temperature it might be a little bit too warm they might there might be a, a shadow that they see or something that they pick you apart but the very next day they come off you got a little bit more of a breeze and a wind at your back you got better sunshine you have a little bit better elements in your favor and boom they read the script and yep. you could kill the same birds that tricked you the day before but a lot of people be like ah we give what we give an up on them you know we're gonna Mm -hmm. go find a new area because they're gonna say oh those birds are stale or they've been there done that they've seen it before that's not necessarily the case yeah
0: sometimes it's just the weather and weather has a lot to do with waterfall hunting especially in our area because it's so up and down i mean it could be sunny and 40 degrees one day and the next morning you wake up and it's 20 degrees and cloudy so i mean it absolutely it really does what's your
1: favorite what what's your favorite elements that i know you love to hunt and you're going to hunt almost every day you just said yeah, you yeah. only miss four days so you hunted 86 days last year of a 90-day season but yep. what's your favorite i want to see if it matches ten, up
0: with mine ten, 10 to 2 bluebird skies hunting mallards on a north wind day
1: 10 to 2 that's exactly what mine is yeah
0: 10 to 2 everybody
1: thinks you need to be out there in the dark and setting up I why 10 to 2
0: uh it's just i mean obviously the birds are going to get up off the water in the mornings no matter where they're at Depending on the migration that day, and they're gonna go up, go to their local feed off the roost and then after that if they're gonna push, they're gonna pick up and start flying and normally that they're getting out of those feeds between eight and ten o'clock in the morning weather permitting again, but once they start getting up those feeds they're gonna start moving throughout throughout the country and I mean that's some of the most beautiful sight to see in big flocks of meaters coming out from the sky. That so migrator days. Yeah, exactly. Migrator days. I do like, I do like weather, but I just don't, hunting in weather sometimes can get a little tricky. They can't drive into fields, the certain situations. I mean, like I said, sunny and bluebird skies, mallards, nothing beats it, but I'm a sucker for Canada geese and decoy. Wait a
1: minute, before we move on to Canada, are you hunting these mallards on these 10 to two days on water?
0: Yeah, mostly water. Yes, what sir. kind of
1: water? Uh,
0: normally, it could be, never really river, but mostly big waters. Big waters, marsh, big marshes, we'll go out to our local big marsh. We have a few that hold, uh, got, like we have the Horicon Marsh in central Wisconsin, which is one of the biggest refuges in the U.S. And, I mean, we, that's, that's like an awesome location. It's great migration stop. So, I mean, and we, I live in the Lake Country area, so, I mean, it's known for the greater lakes and lots of lakes around to choose from. So, I mean, we really, really don't get too picky on what water we're hunting. If we got an idea there's a good number of birds already in the area we'll go out there and set up but mostly bigger bigger waters bigger decoy spread that we can get out there bigger visibility next get in a nice calm spot for him to sit in and
1: so you mainly do you mainly hunt dry yeah but these big days of mallards you like being out on the water because on migration days i find that when you are hard hunting that 10 to 2 that I, I i've had some luck on dry fields mm-hmm. in in all different kinds of crops whether it was corn or beans or peas or whatever but i like being on water on migration days yeah. i think that when they're in the atmosphere like that and they're moving off of that feed the first thing they're hunting up is water exactly. to get a drink they want that water and they right want to rest for a minute yeah they want to exactly uh, it's you can kill them and i've seen geese man i've never hunted ducks I don't know if I've ever decoyed ducks into a big mojo, you know, full body duck spread or Canada goose spread with mojos mixed in on remotes. Yeah, on a bluebird migration day into a dry field, I don't know if I have.
0: Nah, me neither, really. But mainly water, like you were saying. So they just want that drink right away. They want to hang out. Like they want to get on that loaf. They want to find their next spot, and then they go. They go from there, and they find their feed in there. If they like it, they stay. If they got that strong north wind still they'll keep moving after they loaf for and a little that back. wind
1: they see that water they see that shine that that flash that of the yep, white butts on your decoys and that ripple and those you know the, that that yep. what that wind's doing and I, i'm telling you that's the most magical thing in waterfowl hunting i love it all like i i've had days in louisiana to where you know the storm moves in and the guys are like like drew keith at honey breaks like oh we're gonna get the cans today right mm-hmm. the cams backs and you do and it's pretty yeah but you know, they fly close to the water. Mm-hmm. They don't really work a call. No. They put their feet down and they look cool. And killing the king of ducks. You know, yep. I, I consider the mallard king of ducks. But people call the canvas bag, you know, bull can, the yep. male, the king of ducks. But, man, I've heard just missiles, like just jet airplanes coming out of the sky. When yep. you look up and you're like, is yep. that a jet? And it's freaking 100 mallards. Wing just,
0: tip to wing tip. Just losing it. Yep. Just it is, losing it. It makes me laugh every time. I mean, it's just like. Getting watching ducks, just get silly right down. It's an amazing sight. Like like you said, I mean, I love shooting all species of ducks. And don't get me wrong, there is lots of pretty pretty ducks out there, and lots of good species of them. But the mallard, like you said, the way they do it, the way they decoy, the way they act to calling, just the way they, just the way they are, it's amazing. They really are different than all the other species. The best, yeah, they are. The, the best. Well, I mean, in my in my opinion, I love I love I love every shooting a nice mixed bag is always nice but shooting mallards is i mean they're good eating ducks they're big you get big nice breasts out of them for cooking and stuff so especially all the northern northern mallards once they start coming down and they're just pretty pretty ducks i mean the
1: i like it all from the way they approach a decoy spread Mm -hmm. i like the way that they work you know vertically over water Mm -hmm. but they also can work horizontally over a dry field where yeah. they make those false runs they go way out and they come, come in back, and then yeah. they and then they they come back they don't really just like come and drop like they do over water they can once in a while but most of the time they're going to get over that field and they'll just start accumulating together but i like the way they come breast up into the wind i like the way they work to call like the way they communicate i like the way that you can read their body language and their wingtips and their feet and their head calling it that lead duck i like the way that they mix their cadences up wigeon have a cool personality they got a cool little vocabulary sprig have a cool like diver ducks i mean you know when you twirl like it's all cool but there's nothing in my opinion and out west or Louisiana, eastern Texas, Mississippi a little bit, Arkansas, where the speckle bellies really get. Speck calling is pretty cool, but in my opinion, nothing compares to calling mallard ducks and Canada geese. All subspecies of the Canada geese. Yeah, I've of never, the can, of the,
0: never uh, had anything work like mallards to the call, and that's why, honestly, you nailed it on the head. I, that's probably my favorite part of the tend to do migration days is working them ducks with the calls, reading the ducks. But you've made
1: some comments today that... You don't really accredit calling as the biggest like your main asset. Like oh, yeah. you, like you tell me that you're not a very good caller. Not maybe that's not the word you use, but like other people are better callers. And you want mm-hmm. real real quick before you go on with that thought. Like I I love the communication part of those hours ten to two. They're they're paying attention. Yeah. <laughs> and you can get them to react you can get them to turn you can get them to stand still like you can get them to put on those brakes and just spin around and break their neck as they come (laughs) back to you why haven't you tried to become more proficient in calling i haven't heard you call yeah tomorrow's gonna be the first time i've ever hunted with you yeah but why haven't you tried to become more proficient in calling when to me that's like the that's what got me into duck hunting was the vocalizations or the jargon if you will
0: I shouldn't – that's really duck calling. I mean, I'm I'm a good duck caller. I like calling ducks and all, but I've always dry field hunted my, most of my life, Canada geese and stuff, so I never really got into the whole water aspect of things and, like, learning the calls and everything. Like I said earlier, I've been more of that guy that just finds the X, feed, X feeds and just stays on the honkers with that scout route because scouting is, like, for one, the most important part in my head. Oh, yeah. Besides the hide, scouting is the most important for any situation hunting between – whitetail hunt nor duck hunt or waterfall hunt it don't matter scouting then your hide and then your setup on the everything else but calling for me i mean i i do would love to improve my calling i do tinker around here and there in the truck and whatnot learn some new notes or just get better improving my notes sharpness deepness raspiness everything feeder chuckle whatever else but like i said just been practically goose hunting mainly my life so so are
1: you proficient with a goose call? Yeah. You can you can sound like a goose yeah. or se- several geese. I wouldn't
0: say I'm no competition caller, but I can definitely. Don't need to be. Yeah, I can definitely work the geese, and I like I like what like I hunt with the same core group of guys because we all are on the same page for the most part. We're always on. We know we know what each other like, and we can bounce the calling back and forth. Like when you get a bunch of guys together that know how to call real well, you can kind of work together and make it sound real realistic. Once you start breaking notes back and forth and bouncing the calling down the line, or just. Each guy's doing a little bit something different. It just sounds real realistic, and that's what really draws my attention to goose on, too, because the geese are the same way as the mallards on certain days. They eat up those calls. Like You have to be calling at them, otherwise they're not doing it. Normally in an X field, they will just come and do it because, obviously, they want to be there. They're going to be there. If you set up right and got a good hide, They're going. To, it should be a successful hunt, but sometimes it don't always work like that. Weather changes, birds change, your decoy spread could be a little off and something they don't like they sometimes get weary they're definitely picky at times but the mallards back to the calling thing i've never i've never really mallard hunted i shouldn't say that i've definitely duck hunted a lot i used to duck hunt a lot back in high school but as soon as i started picking up in goose hunting i kind of just dropped the duck call not saying i lost talent in duck calling but i definitely could pick up a duck call and rip rip some mallards down for sure
1: it's still yeah so you, you just don't practice it as yeah, much as I know?
0: I just don't blow on the call as much as I should. Honestly, I have a, enough downtime in the truck between work and scouting and stuff that I'm driving around. That's normally when I am blowing. And I, I like, I'm trying to learn goose hunt, goose calling more because I got a lot of buddies that are state championship callers. They're all really good. I mean, I'm not really big for the competition calling, but I like to do the meat aspect of things. Calling for like a real hunt scenario. Like there's lots of notes I could learn that I don't know yet that help in certain situations for sure.
1: Yeah, I agree. Yeah. So you, as we go through this week, we're going to talk about calling more and concealment and scouting. But one of the other things that you have going for you up here is your network. Like we got here we busted ass across the country. I mean, we drove 2,000 miles to get here mm-hmm. with all of our rigs and gear, right? You've seen it. It's a lot of gear. Oh, yeah. Camera gear a and hunting work. gear. A lot of work, right? Yeah, yeah. So we were choosing to take tomorrow off. Yeah, yeah. Because we got here at the early this morning at like 3 in the morning, had a beer with you, said hello. Mm-hmm got some sleep and woke up and just started going at it we had to get the tray the trailer staged. we had to get our airbnb taken care of we had to get the traegers ready to go because we're gonna be cooking with joel who we talked about a couple minutes ago joel's gonna join us on the podcast this week like i said with his wife becky but a lot of work so we were planning on taking tomorrow off so we made sure that we have tyler stark the vp of marketing for traeger coming in tomorrow we're gonna hunt with him on monday but then all of a sudden this network that you've you know grown throughout this area Mm -hmm. this happens to be two hours from where we sit right now so we got a long drive but being the duck hunters that we are and being eaten up with this bullshit yeah we're like no we're going. yeah so now we get this call from your friend yeah which his name is carter carter calls you and says hey i'm sending you a video this is what i got i'd love to have chad and the guys come around and hunt this why did you say yes to this actual hunt because of what you've seen in that video
0: i mean for the most part y'all wanted y'all said you want to be on the dock straight away I know it's been tough. A lot of the birds have been hanging north of our state yet. Yeah, we've had some stale weather the last week or so, A warmer. I mean north winds, the birds are kind of just hanging out. And it's been tougher for me to find the ducks down here. I mean, we got the geese. Every town is littered with geese. But So I know you guys want to kill the ducks. And, I mean, see a video of 2,000 ducks and you're like, shh. I mean, yeah, we got to move on this. It's going to make, make a good one. Do so, you think we'll get them? Yeah, and there's a lot of black ducks. I know you all don't get a lot of them. So, and we, we get, this time of year, we get a pile of the black ducks. They move with the mallards. Have you
1: killed quite a few of them?
0: Yeah. We shoot, I mean, normally, this time, of year, like last year, today, I just saw in my memories, actually, that we had, like, six inches of snow normally. Like, even even by Halloween, we normally have snow. So, we'll start getting locked up in snow, and we can start hunting those smaller rivers, smaller water, and that's where you start killing your black ducks back on the little holes with a pile of mallards in there, too, obviously. But we get a lot of black ducks in the area. So, that's why I'm excited for tomorrow. I was really wanted to get you guys on the ducks and before we start shooting into the geese and stuff. And the, this time, the ducks kind of come with the geese. Like You always have a handful of ducks, but this is just this was an eye-opener, and I, he sent me that video. And like you said, the networking, I've been talking with him for the last couple of weeks about you all coming up. And he's like, all right, I'll let you know if I get something good. I mean, I don't want to waste your guys' time. I know it would be a far drive and everything else. I'm like, I don't care about wasting my time. Just let's try to link up, and it would be a good time. So he sent me this, and I was like, boom like that's a no-brainer yeah and usually
1: there. you know i was we had another hunt maybe a little bit south of here in illinois that yep. we had a choice on but it, it was too wet like right. we were with, yeah and so, that's the thing is that when you're filming and you're trying to do what we do you got to you, sometimes you have to say no so that one wasn't going to work for us yeah that was um, a tough one but um we figure out that this hunt could happen you see this video so what's going to take place tomorrow we don't we're not hunting them ten to two are we getting there
0: we're going to get there. Well, we got a little weather coming in overnight, a little snow, and it's going to be cold. The ducks left tonight off off the pond, so they're not roosted out there. So, I mean, that's that was our one worry. If they're roosted out there, we we're going to go go get up there a little later in the morning, It'll let sun break and everything else, and let them get out. Or if a handful of them get out, go in there, quick set up, and shoot them on the loaf. But the factor they got out tonight, so we want to get out there early in the morning because it's going to be snow and stuff, so the birds will definitely be moving back to that water and we're going to set up early in the morning hoping that those ducks come back and they not hoping they should definitely have been in there since september so they should definitely come back and there's a pile
1: of geese in there too those those ducks you say that like they've been in there there was some ducks yeah, yeah in not, some all, not all not all of them yeah
0: it's been stacking up yeah buildings. like
1: those are there's a lot of migrators oh yeah there.
0: oh yeah a lot of new birds and that, and that yeah i shouldn't say they've been in there since september not all of them because there wouldn't be black ducks in there since september. so will the
1: geese work our spread over this water tomorrow yeah. this water is is always there you think or is this from so much rainfall and snowmills it's sheet so water yeah so Sheet water, mm-hmm. but it's right in the. It's like it, it's in a cornfield, right? Yeah,
0: it's right in the middle of cornfield. I have, I can't really tell. I haven't, like I said, it's, it's my body up in uh, the Green Bay area, so we don't really know if there's a river running close to it or whatnot. But sometimes you will get, we have a lot of drain dishes that run through our fields off of the main rivers, and sometimes when that water comes up in the rivers, they'll flood out fields. So it might be one of those situations, but most of the time it's just sheet water, and it's probably not drain tiled. So, I mean, if it's been there since September, they it's one of their leases so they've been looking at it for a while i mean like you said it's it could be it could be from the rainfall but i'm guessing i'm guessing it's natural
1: so natural pond so we're gonna you mentioned the ducks left they went back to the bay they went back to the big water on the lake yep So what's going to happen in the morning? They're going to leave that water. They're probably going to get off that water a little bit later because of the temperature drop overnight and some snow flurries. Mm -hmm. They're going to go out and feed. And once they put the feed bag on, on a day like tomorrow where the weather was here and they're cold overnight, they're going to want to feed Feed hard. hard. And when they feed hard, that means they need water. So we're going to be waiting for them on a day loaf. This is not the roost. This is a loaf to where ducks will Stay close to the food source during the day, so they don't fly all the way back. That can be five miles away, you know, five ten miles away. Their roost. Once they get in the area, they'll go find low, you know, some more quote unquote local water called the loaf. Yep. So we're going to be waiting for them on a loaf, but we don't know where they're feeding.
0: Yeah, it could be also it could be also one of those situations of a spot where you get that we call it quote unquote like a stage up. So our ducks will come off. They'll come off their roost before they go feed. Yep, and they'll come up and hit the water on a stage. And they'll all stage up in one spot and then go feed and then come back to that stage as a loaf too and then go back out to roost. So, I mean, I'm guessing that a lot of these ducks will come off the roost in the morning. Handful of them will maybe come into, into our hole where we're hunting and we'll be low, I mean, they'll be staging up to go to a feed. I mean, the geese were feeding in the cornfield, surrounded by corn, just got cut. So there was a handful of geese feeding the corn. I'm sure maybe a handful of ducks are feeding there too, but majority of the ducks are probably are spread out throughout the area and different feeds and stuff. Like I said, it's probably a stage up. So we'll probably shoot them as they're coming to stage up into the pond and shoot them on the loaf. I'm sure it'll be, depending on how quickly we get it done, it could be, I mean, you could sit out there all day and probably see ducks floating into
1: there so you think that we'll start killing them are we going to be set up by shooting hours yeah we'll probably start shooting them right away in the that's line, like my yeah. least favorite time to shoot ducks.
0: i know because it's it's not
1: it's not and especially for what we do exactly. with the camera it's for terrible TV, ca-
0: for tv it's not good for camera like so you you gonna, you're gonna let you're you and, you and carter
1: are gonna allow us to wait right?
0: yeah that's why i was talking I was on my way over here i was talking to him about that i was like we just want we're these guys just really want to shoot good tv on this whole entire trip so we just want to make sure everything's right everything there's everything goes smoothly and everyone's on the same page for shooter wise camera guys set up good our hides good everything else so we got to wait in the morning i mean that and that i don't know for sure if we'll kill them right away in the morning but i'm sure we'll have a handful of them come back and even those ducks that do come back or in the morning that we aren't going to shoot at right away let them come in hang out for a little bit they'll trickle out go feed do whatever
1: but i hope they're not
0: feeding right there that. no i i don't think they're they're a lot all of the ducks i've seen from the videos you sent me in the last week they've all been in the water so and not really they're landing in the water slick so that's why my from all the matters i've hunted like near fields or in situations like this that so a spot i call one of those stage ups where they're coming there to stage up and then go to their feed and then they're going to come back and loaf there too and then
1: and the, and the reason they come back there after the loaf is because that corn gets in there and they want they got to de- they have to digest it and they need yep. water yeah they eat so much and gorge themselves with it with all the gas and the ethanol and everything and corn yeah,
0: they're crazy they fast. got
1: they got to get water on it so yeah. that's why you'll see them on a day like with a night like tonight and the weather changing and dropping again you'll see them feed all day long going back and forth to water so you can kill them all day long hopefully what happens is when that storm breaks and that sun comes out and we see blue that's when we get our big flocks to where they get real active and because that can happen too when you talk about weather and the break in the weather Mm -hmm. mallards get really active and they start acting like ducks to where when it's overcast and you have that opportunity you know after a snow flurry they'll they'll be moving around and you might get them but they really don't act right until that sun sunshine that sun and they, that's the best hunt there is.
0: Yeah, sun sun is everything for mallards especially like especially on water. I mean, in the fields you I've I've had better luck I feel like with mallards at least in the fields with overcast or rain or snow, but in the water like well, that sun that sun breaks like you said you can't beat it for the mallards especially if you're anticipating them coming. Well, as soon as that sun breaks there, will be come in the bigger flocks that like you said, and it is a lot he said about the last week they're trickling in five, ten, two, twenty, but he said like there was one day and sunny day they they were coming in, and there was like fifty hundred fifty I mean there's two thousand ducks and roughly two thousand ducks, I would say, but so it should be it should be awesome, I mean, I hope we get a couple big watches for some good video and stuff and be able to shoot some good content, get good pictures, whatever else. Also, it just would be a great day just watching them just do it, in this it's a nice little hole too. So we can shoot across pretty much the whole entire pond. So no matter where we set up, as long as that winds to our back and we have a good hide, I think. What is the th-
1: wind supposed to be tomorrow? Do you know? The
0: northwest. Eight to 10, ten, or yeah, eight to ten up to ten up to fifteen.
1: That's good. Yes, yeah, so with a little
0: with a little snow in the morning, then the snow is going to break at eight o'clock and going to start getting that sunshine, which is perfect timing for.
1: And, and we're going to use some of the Avery panel blind. So panel blind on the edge, because there's a kind of like, you know, the low part where it comes down off of the, you know, plateaus down off of the surface of the cornfield down into this, yep. where this water accumulates. Yep. So we kind of are going to make a 3d illusion of this panel blind. That's going to be kind of where the hills the slopes a little yep. bit and it, we're going to get it right on that edge of where that right darkness that backdrop, is yep. of where the, the water ends and the, corn begins yeah,
0: given that given that given that because ducks I, ducks and geese can't really see 3d they it's a more of the 2d so like they don't really see that 3d dimension so that like, what i'm hoping that that like you said that 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 transfer from the dark to the light between the pond edge to the corn we set up right on that edge and we'll have the advantage of them not knowing if that's the start of the corn and whatnot but and we're using we're using switchgrass on the panel blind so i mean switchgrass for me in my head bun's in the best since the corn because you can't really cover your whole pant line in corn so switchgrass works good because they just think of a natural grass edge and it should work it should definitely work out as long as the winds to our back which has always been a big factor for where's me where's the wind
1: tomorrow out of
0: the northwest and we can the whole pond's surrounded by corn and that. so we
1: have to set up with a north wind really yep. so we don't look it into the sun
0: Yep, and yeah ideally yeah we want it, we want that sun the sun to your back that's a game changer
1: yeah but tomorrow we're not gonna have it
0: no i know but that'd be ideal
1: but we can, can you can still get away with it of you, you know, can
0: set up a cross shoot i like cross shooting them but if you can set up them decoying in your face it's
1: always the best oh there's nothing like it yeah so the spread will consist of ghg pro grade floater candace ghg um pro grade floater Mal- no we're doing the xd series mallards yep, tomorrow the then we're going to have full body mallard greenhead gear on the shoreline yeah and then we're going to have a, a bunch of the commercial grade xd's yeah canada full bodies stuffed around the blind to show activity of they landed in the water they've walked out up and they even today on some of those videos you can see how they're walking up into the corn yeah so where that pond's kind of like the the beacon if you will to where that's what they're working into in that area Mm -hmm. and then they're you know getting out of the water and walking up and finding some food yeah find some corn
0: absolutely it should be it should be a real good hunt i'm excited for that i mean it's like you said we weren't thinking about hunting tomorrow but like I was talking with you as we were scouting at night, and I was like, I was thinking to myself in the truck. And I'm like, man, this is one hunt that I know it's a two hour drive. Y'all just gotten in, after a long drive, a long couple, long day setting up, getting ready for the week and whatnot. But I was like, we can't pass this one up. It's it's too good, especially this time of the year with the amount of with the amount of black ducks in it too. I mean, a, black ducks probably my favorite duck favorite duck to shoot. Is they're just gorgeous. I mean, because you there's there's difference in every single one you get. Like. They either got a little green tint in their in their head or little black black specks on their sh- on their shoulders and stuff for the wingtips. But black ducks have always been my favorite, so that's what drew my attention. As soon as he said, "There's a pile of black ducks in here," I'm like, "Oh my god, we got to get up there," because like that that that's this time of the year. Because once they're here, they'll be here. But as soon as these mallards start rolling out south more, they we kind of lose the black ducks and it gets more strict just mallards and geese. Then the, then the mergans will start rolling, and then you know it's coming to an
1: end. Oh.
0: <laughs> where a, do
1: the ducks, you know, we're going to be north tomorrow. Yeah. Where do the ducks come from to stop here? Where do you think Fort they— Fort
0: Sevron? or however you pronounce that town up in Canada there. I think a lot of them come from up there in Canada. So maybe we get a handful of birds So where? like
1: is this Ontario?
0: Yeah, Ontario area and minnesota minnesota honestly we get a lot of birds from minnesota too because that what
1: about michigan michigan too can I they mean, stop
0: in the up at all well i've shot a few i've never sh- i've shot a few michigan bands so that's why i know like, we probably do get a, a little bit of the migration from that way i've gotten iowa band, I, honestly a lot of birds come from iowa too we shoot a lot of iowa birds this is weird but
1: iowa yeah. on a reverse migration yeah
0: a lot of we shot a lot of banded birds from iowa man they
1: banned a lot of geese in iowa
0: yeah they did lots they, they must
1: no they do i've seen i've had i've had early season hunts in iowa 15 18 bands in a
0: hunt yeah that's that's crazy you get that up here too well a lot of the a lot of the bands we've been shooting this year like i said from iowa on the canadas and i've also seen like from my hometown o'connor uh i had a bird banded in 2003 i think it was and we shot in 2018 in the same town it was banded in so i mean that just shows i don't know if that goose i would assume that goose migrated back and forth but who knows if you just hung out and stayed too, but I, there's a pile of them that we shot that were old, old birds that from the same town we're hunting in, and I'm assuming they migrate and come back and find the same same town, or they, because I doubt they stick around because we lose, I mean, all our water locks up in the wintertime. It's amazing
1: we, that they find it again. Exactly. If you think about it, there's no, they don't have a GPS, they don't have a no. book. It's, they become like, these areas become what they call ancestral holes, you know, to where they, they yeah. just, they navigate it and they pick, like when you're in California, those ducks pick up the Butte Mountains, right? You have the Buttes there. The Sutter Butte Mountain Range is just like literally out in the middle of nothing. It's all flat, like Mm -hmm. nothing. Rice country. And then all of a sudden you have this little it's not a real long or wide mountain range and it's used as a beacon by those waterfowl when they come down the flight they see all the big mountains on the yeah. west and then on the east they see what they see over there and then they're like all right there's our place and mm-hmm. that's what developed the butte sink in california because you, you heard phil robertson years ago talk about ancestral ducks to where they they imprint on areas right and that's why you hear a lot of duck hunters that have flooded timber in different areas they'll imprint ducks through different methods in the off season yeah. It works. It does. Ducks figure out how to get back to where they were.
0: It, 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 I I hundred percent believe it works because like a, I run into a lot of a lot of a lot of people asking me like, well, I mean because I've been goose hunting in my area for 14 15 years now, and there's always a lot of guys coming in this into the industry of newcomers. Like don't be wrong, love taking them out and everything, but you notice these birds use these same farms. The same areas, the same loafs, the same rivers every year, back to back to back to back. Like it don't they don't really spread out. Like it's always like this the good farms are always gonna be good every year. Like they don't ever really switch it up. Unless the crops change, they'll switch it up maybe by like a block. Like it's always like the same flyway in them. I've also notice they follow main freeways real big time or main river channels real big time. Like up here you got I ninety four and I forty three and the birds follow those. At I, night too, because yeah. of the
1: headlight. I mean, they, they, that that they
0: follow those freeways. That
1: constant motion, and then the lights at night they mm-hmm. they follow, and then the river systems. Yep. I mean, you get on the you get on the Columbia or the Snake out west, Mississippi. You, up you here get on too. the Mississippi, and then the Missouri coming out of like western North Dakota, mm-hmm. and then you know they get down into, you know, the area of like Nebraska, Kansas, eastern Oklahoma. Then it moves into western Arkansas, and then if you look at that whole part of like uh, above, you know Missouri and Arkansas in that area where it starts getting into what we call the Grand Prairie, you have the black, you have the cash, you have mm-hmm. the white, you have all these little tributaries and rivers that come off, and then they all just kind of finger Slow down out, through, yeah. and then in, in, empty into the Mississippi. Yeah. And those ducks follow all those. If you get on, if the White River gets out, or the Cash gets out, or the black gets out, and, the, and it gets above its banks and gets out into those trees. It's like the, be- the best hunt. That's how Hal- Stuttgart, is. Arkansas got its name. Yep. Or Arkansas became the duck capital of the yeah, world. Yeah,
0: duck capital, yeah. Because yep.
1: they follow the Mississippi, and they follow the Missouri, and they follow the Arkansas River that comes through Kansas and all that area of Oklahoma and then in- into Arkansas, around that Ozark area, you know, up there around northwest Arkansas, then it keeps coming down. They're- they follow those river systems. Yeah, that's always striked my interest. I mean, I never really traveled. I traveled a decent amount for hunting,
0: but that's always struck my interest in how these birds migrate every year back and forth it's between spring and fall i mean it's unbelievable how they find the same path whether it's like you said in river channels or roads but it's unbelievable how it, how the birds react to the waterways and certain areas like what like i was telling you when you got up here that certain areas i are call dead zones like you have your certain your main rivers around our area and then you got your bigger lakes and that birds literally you go 20 miles out out from one of them lakes there'll be birds all over them lakes and then you go 20 miles out and there's nothing there's these huge beautiful fields for them everywhere but there ain't a single goose to be seen because they they just stick to those lakes and those freeways and those lake or the rivers and they just know i mean they and they know like and it sounds crazy saying they know but they do know like they, they yeah and then
1: on top of that you have the birds that stay in the area
0: yep and we, they, we winter a lot and of they birds.
1: accumulate and you start to winter these migra- migratory birds mm-hmm. that become quote unquote locals yeah and then those locals act as a beacon the following season yeah you know because they know where they want to go they know what you're talking about the local waters and then all of a sudden a subdivision pops up around that local water and that local water source becomes like a fountain or a pond within a subdivision and then people are like why are all these geese here well (laughs) they were here when it was just natural vegetation and natural waterways and then like if you go around like wichita kansas all those subdivisions, because it's, you know, it's exploded. Boise's the, Boise, ponds, is the yeah. same way. Denver's the same way. All those Denver, all those geese on the front range, they're coming out of subdivisions. Yeah. They're sleeping on, like, Hewlett-Packard, the, comu- yeah. the computer company. Yeah. They have ponds all over their campus up there in Fort Collins. The geese are, they live there. They yeah. inundated. It's covered with goose shit all the time, the yeah. bargain lot and all the grass. And,
0: and they have no need to leave.
1: No need to leave. And then when they come, when, when that water, you know, they when the cold days come and they can't survive on grass. yeah. And their ponds become too overloaded with geese or the ice starts to form on or whatever, then you'll start to see all these lines of lessers and graders coming out of the city limits yeah. to go into the agriculture and the yeah. cropland of corn or whatever it is. Up there, it's a lot of corn. Yeah so you start to look at like why are the geese in these certain areas of like the 35 corridor of oklahoma, oklahoma city north up through southern kansas and then up to wichita and then into nebraska or topeka and then you have kansas city and you have all that area of like where tony vandemore is and habitat mm-hmm. flats they these these areas have historically been ingrained with waterfowl flyways oh, yeah. and then people are like well the flyways are changing and that's because there's development right so it might push them a little west the pressure in hunting in arkansas might have pushed the ducks yep, a little the bit west. the entire you know the entire mississippi flyway being the go-to zone for so many years maybe the ducks are like hey it's not as yep. pressured over here i have a, i have a,
0: like coming down to that I've, that's a big mindset of mine is i feel like it has a lot to do with the pressure on the flyway changing and stuff it really depends on the year, but every year is different. i not too much, but for for us up here in Wisconsin, every year is a little different just because the hunting pressure. And like you said, it could be they could be, uh, like hunting twenty miles outside of town, and then it gets developed, and then next thing you know, those birds are sticking ten miles closer to town just because they don't gotta go so much further to get that food. Yeah, they can just feed right outside of town or feed right in town, right on the grass, because geese do like all we have until now like november the wet, cold weather really starts rolling in they like that that they can just eat on the park grass and just hang out they have no need to leave so so that's right golf just, courses and you know, park grass they just hang out and i mean that's what's tough right now for me back home i i live in a town called Paps or oconomowok but past farms it's a big farming community so like downtown city limits it's all corn this year which is really hurting us because all the geese are just leaving right there. leaving those industrial parks and stuff on those ponds and going bink right into the corn. And until they feed those out, then they'll start trickling out. I mean, we got lucky on a few earlier in the season before the corn got cut, but right now it's just they're all in city limits. And that's hard, too, because they get all these development and new neighborhoods and stuff, and city limits just keeps getting further and further and further, and it's, it's getting harder and harder to hunt out here every year. So more of the city pushes out the you lose some. I mean, I've lost some of the best fields I've ever hunted. Like I've hunted fields that have schools built on them now. Yeah. And I've and back in the day, but now it's just it
1: that's it's a, happened that's, all over the country. You know, it's
0: part. Of, it's just part of the grind, honestly, because like it's just something you have to work with in every town if you want wanted. I mean, or hunt. is
1: it? Or is it? Or are we getting so out of hand with the way that our population's growing? True. I mean, we're having a lot of babies, and yeah, you know, people are living longer. Yeah. And. There's more houses being built. There's more industrial centers and shopping centers being built. Mm -hmm. And I don't know. I mean, who you think about it? We'll talk about it later on in the week on another episode of the Fat Life Podcast, Luke. But you think about what's to stop every cornfield that we drove past scouting this evening to having a school on it and and houses on it and a shopping center. It's the way that I I drive by places in all over the country to where I remembered five, ten years ago. I'm like, we just hunted there. Yeah. And all of a sudden you're like, wow, like there's, freaking jimmy johns there now (laughs) right and it's happening it's it's the way you can't bitch about it you can't be like you because back you know we wouldn't be here if it wasn't for civilization and 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 growth and 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 evolution and all of the things that go into to industrializing america and commercializing america it's what makes the world go around
0: absolutely the
1: infrastructure of our country but it worries you that like you're young you're 26 right i'm in my Mm mid-40s i have a daughter is she going to have a lot of places to hunt in 10 years it's easy to say oh yeah we're working our asses off to make sure that they do but will they yeah I know. <laughs> because we keep building everything out yeah god bless the farmers that hang on to their land mm-hmm. because they're getting offered a lot of money in a lot of places oh, whether yeah. it's we need to build a new airport we need to build this new mall we need to build a new whatever it is they're getting offered like you we need your land we need that
0: yeah like back so, when i back when i was a kid just what you should, where i grew up is such a small town there wasn't much development at all and just slowly turning in like like milwaukee like Walks is turning into Brookfield. Brookfield's turning into Milwaukee. Like, towns are just getting bigger and bigger. And, like, like you said, it's just, it's, it's part of, it's part of life. And they can't really be pissed off about it. But that just makes you just, that's what, that's when I start covering new ground. Or right? I get out of my comfort zone, go find new loaf, go find, go find sub birds now, nowhere near a city. Like, don't, I've always been a big city limits guy. Like, love hunting close to the town because that's where the majority of the birds are always. And you get on some really good hunts close to town because you can get a, Big feeds, good hides, they're comfortable, not a lot of people like hunting by the towns. But once you get out of that comfort zone, it definitely gets tough. Like, new week with y'all, new new ground down here for me. So it should be, we'll see how it goes, but it should be a good week. We got the, we got the geese around, but I would like to find more ducks for y'all. So we're going to bust, bust some butt this week, scouting, and getting after a hard week of hunting here. So hopefully it pans out
1: um what do you think is going to happen tomorrow we're going to end this podcast we're going to podcast tomorrow night or Mm -hmm. sometime tomorrow we're cooking dinner with joel tomorrow we're doing canada goose chow main tomorrow um what's your call because when we come on here tomorrow i want the audience to know if luke steidel was on it or not what's your guess for tomorrow's hunt
0: my guess as in as in what are you what are you wondering i'm not i'm the whole you outcome. don't need to
1: you don't need to give me like what's going to be on our straps or our quote-unquote pile pick no, i'm not yeah. a pile no, guy yeah. i like but what do you think the hunt's going to turn are we going to decoy some birds yeah. is axel going to get the show out in the water a little oh, yeah. bit um, by the way does axel get the to hunt tomorrow Have you oh, made yeah. sure of that
0: yes Axel is good to Go is he a on. stud or what yeah he is a great looking dog and i'm hyped to see him work i love that's honestly one of another big favorite part of mine in waterfall is watching the dog work and just watching the watching all the smiles of the, the plan coming together when it's working well. And that's why I like hunting with a close group of guys, because when it's not working well, we, we change it and make it work. Yeah, I mean, you can't always make it work. The birds sometimes just aren't playing the script. So you got to just, like you said, go again the next day. But I'm hyped to see actual work. And honestly, I think this hunt will go really well. I think we got We got it. The only the only thing that I would think that white wouldn't go well if we had no wind, but we got the wind tomorrow. Wind super important in the waterfall in the industry, or world I should say. And we got the wind. We got a good hide, combine corn, and I mean, the you birds, think
1: our hide will be legit?
0: Yeah, I think our hide. You're will gonna be, make sure of it. Yeah, you're our, in
1: charge of the hide. Yeah. or is Carter in charge I, of the hide?
0: I mean, we're gonna get on the phone here with Carter after this podcast, but I think I think the hide will be very legit. I mean that's i'm always a stickler because I, like i said earlier scout is number one carter took care of that for us he's been scouting this place it's been loaded up so hide's number two so i will be in charge of the hide and that's i'm super stickler with hide so i mean that's that if you're hidden there should be no reason why they shouldn't do it so will there. we
1: be cleaning ducks and geese tomorrow um, after this hunt yes yeah, sir you're guaranteeing it yes yeah, sir that's your call yes yeah, sir That's Luke's title. The foul life podcast today sponsors Deemer box, the flask cap and Meat. meet your maker made with meat. Take pride in your butchering, your processing, make a little cocktail, be an accountable adult, make a little adult beverage in a flask cap. You guys got to check these out. You girls got to check these out. I can't explain it over a podcast. And have many tutorial videos coming out drew thank you the entire family at flask cap deemer box zach brown enterprises thank you all so much for everything you do here for all of our properties and meet your maker thank you for making us better butchers better processors better hunters we take pride in making sure that every bit of wild game that we are lucky enough to harvest goes onto our table that bounty is so important to us we had Canada goose burritos with my man Joel today we're going to do Canada goose chow Maine tomorrow his wife Becky's running for governor of Wisconsin she's the leading GOP the leading Republican I called my friend Ted Nugent I'm not name-dropping but when I was with Becky today I said hey we're getting Ted Nugent to endorse you she goes heck yeah so I called Ted I said what do you think he said done so he's calling her we're gonna FaceTime with Becky tomorrow night Luke and Keith Mark and everybody at Hunter Nation, y'all become a member of Hunter Nation at hunternation.org. We have to get the right people elected into office. We have to, okay? Please trust me. And if you are a hunter, go vote. I'm sitting in Wisconsin right now. There's a lot of bills on the docket right now in this state. You have to go vote. More than 50% of licensed hunters in the state and licensed voters in the state of Wisconsin voted last year. 50% of the hunters that are licensed to vote did not vote. Get out there and vote. It makes no sense. That's why we are Americans. That's what Hunter Nation stands for. So Ted Nugent, Uncle Ted, Cat Scratch, Fever, the Motor City Madman from Detroit is going to endorse Miss Becky. We are going to get it done in states like Wisconsin. I'm proud to be here. Thank you, Luke. Any closing words for our first podcast of many this week? He's guaranteeing that we're going to have some mallards on the strap, black ducks on the strap, candy geese on the strap. We're going to be throwing down, cooking on the Traegers all week, Luke. You excited?
0: Yeah, I'm hyped. It should be an awesome week. Really this look-
1: freaking guy, he's got unbelievable hair. <laughs> you guys got to see, you girls got to see this dude's hair. Well, how do you explain that hair? That's kind of like Patrick Swayze. you know who he is? No, I do not. See, you're too young to even know who <laughs> freaking Patrick Swayze is. Unbelievable. All right, any closing words, Luke, before we leave from nah. our first podcast here at The Foul Life?
0: Looking forward to a good week with you all. It should be fun. That's M-
1: Luke's wearing his headphones on top of a Traeger hat with a jargon. Game calls, black hooded sweatshirt on. I'm looking at my boy Bubba. He's in Dickies with a resist all cowboy hat, thorough good mud boots. It's cold up here right now. I'm looking at my other boy right now. His name is Corey hinkley This dude can play guitar, write a song, sing a song. He's wearing a foul life shirt. Brand new merch available right now at the He was wearing one of our new hats. That patch hat's badass. Yeah, like he was wearing those. it today. It's cool, huh? Yeah, you want one of those? Sick. I probably brought you one. Sure. Brand yeah. new merch available right now. Brand new episodes of the Foul Life TV. Benelli's the Foul on the outdoor channel exclusively right now starting november 15 2021 we have seven brand new episodes with california waterfowl association you're going to see it all you're going to see athletes nascar drivers country music musicians politicians we are going to talk about what's going on in the pacific flyway the klamath basin the botulism everything that's going on at tule lake and the refuge system up there we are going to investigate it we're going to do a forensic audit on it and we are going to get to the bottom of it why biden And his secretary of interior in the Department of Interior will not give us the money or the water that we need to save so many different, so many, not just ducks. I'm a duck hunter. I'm a goose hunter. But it's mule deer and antelope and snakes and insects and shorebirds and predators, bobcats, possums, raccoons, coyotes. It's so many different habitat populations or wildlife populations that are being affected by us not having water in that area of the country so please get behind california waterfowl association at calwaterfowl.org become a member no matter where you live in the country become a member of hunter nation of california waterfowl association of safari club international you can sit back all you want like luke and i just discussed we might think hunting's going to be here forever but it's up to us to ensure that it's here for generations to come i met luke's girlfriend last night She looked at me. She says, I plan on having kids with Luke. I think she said that. Maybe I'm just imagine that but if she is let's just imagine that she does want to have kids with luke someday we have to make sure that they get to hunt so join hunter nation join safari club join california waterfowl thank you again to flask cap deemer box and me thank you to luke seidel i'm excited to be in wisconsin we'll be back at you with another episode of the foul life podcast i'm chad belling this song right here was written by yours truly it's called my foul life it's performed by todd thompson and the rock band we refer to as 2am logic thank y'all